We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in to the LakersNation.com podcast. I am Trevor Lane. You can find me over on X at Trevor underscore Lane on Instagram, threads, and Facebook at Trevor Lane NBA. This is the live podcast. We are live right now on a number of different platforms, including the YouTube channel. Excited to talk Lakers basketball with all of you tonight. As you guys can see, it is a solo show tonight. But as I always say with the solo show, especially when we're live, not really just me it's me and all of you so welcome in all of you joining live right now in the chat we've got plenty to get into but before we dive into some of our topics for tonight we need to talk a little bit about the nba's new resting policy want to talk about that what that's going to mean for the lakers also want to talk about the best things about this lakers team which is always fun because there's a lot of things that we could talk about which is a great great feeling however um, before I get into all of that sort of, sort of stuff, before I get into, you know, all the different topics for tonight, um, I, I do want to start out talking a little bit about, about Nick Chubb. I don't know if you guys are NFL fans, but if you, if you saw what happened, uh, earlier this evening, unfortunately, Nick Chubb suffered a, a gruesome injury the running back for the, the Cleveland Browns. Suffered a, a gruesome injury. Um, nasty, nasty. I mean, so bad that the the broadcast of the game didn't show it again. Refused to show the replay of the injury. That's how bad it was. They would not replay it. That's how bad the injury was. And you see things like that. And it's a reminder that, and obviously this is terrible for the player. Um, you hate seeing things like that happen, of course. But um, it's things like that that really underscore how unpredictable sports can be. And so when we look at this Lakers roster and we talk about how incredible it is and, and the depth that they've got and all these different things, we have to remind that there, be reminded there is this air of unpredictability around sports. You just don't know for sure what's going to happen. Even when you're, when you're expecting somebody, Nick Chubb was a guy that I was expecting was going to have an incredible season. Injuries, you just never know when they're going to take place and what that can do 
to a team. And that's going to matter with the um, new resting rules. Hopefully it's not something that affects, you know, injuries aren't something that affect the Lakers season too much, but you just never know for sure what's going to happen. And so right now, right now, optimism reigns, right? Right now, optimism is the order of the day. It's the rule of the land across the NBA. Optimism is abundant. And that's this time of year. That's the way it goes right now in the NBA, right? Everybody is zero and zero, right? Nobody has won any games. Nobody's lost anybody, any games. Everybody feels pretty good for what they did over the offseason. That's going to change once the ball's rolled out onto the floor. So I say all of that kind of as a precursor because on this show, I do want to get into the things that we're really excited about for this Lakers season. But just keep in mind that not everything goes according to plan. Not everything goes the way that you want it to go. Why? Because that's sports. Why? Because that's life. Right? Things don't always go according to plan. And how you adjust to those things is going to be important. So I think that's important that we keep in mind when we're looking at this Lakers roster and we're looking at how deep it is and we're all getting excited, right? Oh my gosh, they had such a great, and they did, but they had such a great offseason. Remember, Right now, this time of year, we look at every player and because we want to be positive, because people want to think happy thoughts about their team, we look at every player and we think this guy, he's going to hit his ceiling. Rui Hachimura is going to score 18 every single night. Jared Vanderbilt is going to start hitting those corner threes. They're going to be dropping, right? Jackson Hayes is going to, things are going to click. That athleticism is going to click because he's a Laker now, not a Pelican. That's going to happen. Cam Reddish is going to live up to his potential because he's like Christian Wood is going to fit perfectly. Not all of those things are going to happen, right? When you go down the list and you look at all the question marks that are still on, on the roster and things of that nature, we have to remember that as deep as the roster looks right now, as sunny as everything looks right now, as good of an offseason, again, the Lakers, they've had a good offseason. We just have to keep in mind that things don't always go according to plan and it's how you react to those things, how you respond to those things from a team concept that's going to really matter. What do the Browns do now? What do they do now without Nick Chubb? I don't know if they're going to win. They're playing right now. I don't know if they're going to win the game tonight or not. But what do they do without Nick Chubb? How do they pivot? Are they able to bounce back from this? For Nick Chubb, what does he do? Is he able to get back next season, hopefully? What happens there? But it's just a stark reminder of the unpredictability of sports and again, how even when you're looking at somebody and you're saying, this guy is going to be great this season. I've got a great feeling about him. You don't really know until you get out there and you start playing the games because injuries can happen. Guys can play above their heads, below, not live up to expectations. There's lots of different things that can happen in a season. It's part of what makes it so dramatic. It's part of what makes it fun. It's also part of what makes it sad at times but you just never know for sure what's going to happen in sports. So just a reminder, as we're all excited about this Lakers roster, and we should be, again, they've had a great summer, but nothing is for sure until they get out there and they start playing and we see them in action. Which, by the way, as I'm recording this today, as we're live right now, 19 days podcast listeners, 
or listen to the podcast version of this or YouTube viewers who are watching this after the fact. If it's Tuesday, it's 18 days, 18 days till the Lakers begin their preseason play. Can you believe it? We're less than three weeks away, people. The countdown is on. Media day right around the corner. Let's go. Training camp, all of that kind of stuff. I'm excited. I can't wait to see this team out there on the floor. All right. As I said, <laughs> Tony said, Mr. Negative again. No, Tony, look, I'm not trying to be negative. Again, I'm extremely optimistic about this team. I am fired up. I'm so excited to see them on the floor. This is just me providing a little reminder that we don't know for sure what things are going to look like because I know everybody's riding high right now. Everybody's feeling great about their team. And again, the Lakers have had a great summer. They've had a great summer. But this happens every year. Every year we look at every player and we say, this guy's going to be fantastic. And you know what happens for a few of them? It doesn't happen. For a few of them, sometimes we have guys too where we say, eh, I'm not that high on this guy. It turns out they're great. What a surprise. They come from, from out of nowhere. It's a pleasant surprise. That happens too. There's an unpredictability to it that we just have to keep in mind as we head into the season. Not every player that we think is going to be playing right up here at the peak performance, not every player is going to do that. There's going to be ebbs and flows even throughout the season. That's something we got to keep in mind. All right. I do have some super chats that we need to get into, and then I'll get into some of my topics of the day, which include the NBA's new player resting policy, what that's going to mean for the Lakers. And then I want to get into, again, me kind of cautioning everybody, but then my five favorite things about this team this year, the five things I am most excited about for this team, because I do think there is a lot, a lot to be excited about this season for these Lakers. Uh, three theory is doing a great job with those mod responsibilities Make sure, by the way, if you haven't done so yet, please make sure you hit the like button over on the YouTube channel for this video. Certainly would appreciate that. Get this thing out to as many people as we possibly can. Uh, three theories said, welcome back, Trev. Hope the much-needed vacation went well. With the Vando extension done, are we set for the season and waiting for the start of it? Uh, the vacation vacation did go well. It was a lot of fun. Um, had a really good time. Maybe too good of a time. <laughs> I... I ate all the food to the point where now I've got to, got to get got to get back on track here. Right after on vacation, I said, whatever, I'm going to eat. I was on a cruise. I'm going to eat whatever. Um, drank all the drinks, had plenty of uh, Dr. Peppers, as, as we'll call them. But uh, it was a good time. It was definitely a good time. Vacation was great. Now ready for the NBA season to get going. Uh, are the Lakers set for the season and waiting for the start of it now with the Vando extension? Yeah, I don't think they're going to fill that 15th roster spot. I think that what they're going to do is uh, they're going to bring this group into training camp. This is going to be the roster for the regular season, and off they go. We'll see ultimately how it all you know plays out, of course. But, yeah, I think this is going to be it. I don't think they're going to fill that 15th roster spot. I think the team is set. I think they've done a great job putting this team together, which I'm going to get into more in just a bit. Uh, Heather said, hardcore fan for a while. Yesterday, my parents bought me tickets for my first Laker game for my birthday. So excited. November 19th seems so long from now. Well, I happen to have the schedule up. November 19th, you get Lakers versus Rockets. It's a home game in L.A. No back-to-back -back situation here. The Lakers are coming back off the road. They play, the, they play two days before November 17th in Portland, and that's a tournament game. 
And then the next game they play after that is also a tournament game Tuesday, November 21st. So they've got a day of rest before, a day of rest after. Should be pretty safe as far as the player resting goes and all of that. Cool. Hope that's a lot of fun and uh, enjoy that, of course. And congrats on getting your first Lakers game for your birthday. So happy birthday and um, very, very cool that you got tickets to that game. By the way, while I was on my cruise, I actually met some Lakers Nation fans while I was on this this cruise, which was absolutely fantastic uh, to have to be walking around the cruise ship and have people go, "Hey, Lakers Nation!" and be excited. Um, so that was that was very very cool to meet uh, some Lakers fans on the cruise as well. Um, we are Legion, everybody. We are. TikTok exposed said, "As someone who grew up watching the Lakers, how do you feel about Lakers fans?" would rather the Lakers be a bad team than win a championship with LeBron. I mean, were they really that upset when the Lakers won the championship in 2020? Like, I knew, right, when LeBron James signed with the Lakers, the reaction wasn't overwhelmingly positive. It was probably split by my rough estimate at the time, doing this and everything at the time. The, the reaction that I noticed out there was pretty split. I think there were a lot of people that for years were debating LeBron versus Kobe and, and all of that. So there was there were a lot of Lakers fans who were used to talking up Kobe, knocking down LeBron. You get stuck in that mindset. It's not easy to jump on board. For a while, we talked back. I remember talking to Eric Pincus about this. Um, and, and he said, a lot of Lakers fans that aren't so sure about LeBron right now, they'll get on board the second he starts scoring for their team. And... He wasn't wrong, but there are still some people who, whether it's years of being against LeBron, whether it's a Kobe thing or not, or it's you disagree with some of the things that he said or done or something like that, there are some people who are anti-LeBron out there. LeBron is very polarizing. He's got a lot of hate, just like the Lakers. There's tons of Lakers fans. There's tons of Lakers haters. There's tons of LeBron fans. There's tons of LeBron haters. Um I can't look at the like if unless there's somebody who's just done something so reprehensible, right? Um, but I can't look at a player that's a Lakers player that's succeeding and doing well for your team and find myself just rooting against that guy to the point where I'm turning against the team. Now, again, that's that's me. I grew up on the Lakers, and as you mentioned here, it's it's difficult for me to imagine that situation unless a player had you know done something you know had turned their back on the franchise completely and said i'm leaving after this year and la is awful and all i don't know what else could they have you know committed all kinds of crazy crimes or something like that it would have to be something super villain at villain-esque over the top right but it's it's surprising to see people say well i'm a lakers fan but i hate lebron so much i'd rather see the lakers lose to me and look I understand the player first mindset is becoming more and more prevalent now where we're seeing people who say, well, I'm a, when we saw it from, I'm a Russell Westbrook fan. We had people who were of that mindset or I'm a LeBron fan. And I jump from, you know, when LeBron's with the Miami heat, I root for the heat. When LeBron's with the Cavs, I root for the Cavs and LeBron's with the Lakers. I root for the Lakers. That's becoming more and more prevalent. So I guess it makes sense too, that if you care more about player first and you hate LeBron more than, even though you could say you're a Lakers fan, but I really dislike LeBron, 
I guess, but I never approach things from that that mindset. I'm still of the team first. Maybe that's more of an old school mindset now, but that's the way I look at things. Uh, ambiguous, ambiguous acronyms said, if LeBron gets another chip in LA, where will he rank all time Lakers? What would he need to do to break top three? Thanks for all your coverage, Trev. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the, uh, the kind words there, but um, top three for him to get top three all time. And who, what are we talking about? Kobe, magic Kareem, right? That's, that's what we're talking about. Breaking into, into that group. And that's going to be tough, right? Simply because of the number of championships won. Now you can say Kareem started to fade as magic really came on and, and all that, who, you know, who had a bigger impact with the Lakers, but Kareem's Kareem, right? I mean, he has an argument for being the great. He doesn't get as much credit, but he's got an argument for being the greatest player ever, right? That's how good Kareem is too. So I'll say this. I don't know that LeBron breaks into the top three, even with another title. And that's not anti-LeBron. That's, that's in my opinion, that's not anti-LeBron in any way. That's how revered these Lakers players are, right? That's how much success the Lakers have had in the past. Winning two championships with the Lakers, if he does that, that's an insane accomplishment. That's incredible. That may be enough to put him, in some people's minds, above Jordan in the greatest of all time conversation. That, But just as a Laker, knowing that LeBron's time in LA is finite, it might be tough to usurp the spot of these guys who, who were around longer in, in purple and gold than, than he was. I can tell you this for sure. There's nothing he can do to top Kobe. There's nothing. With 100% certainty, there's nothing he can do. He can win MVP this season. He can get finals MVP. He can win a championship for the Lakers this season that will not bump him above Kobe. To me, Kobe is the greatest Laker of all time, and I grew up as a Magic Johnson fan. Um, but what Kobe did, the connection he had with the fans, that's never going to be replicated. Nobody's ever going to do that again. For two decades, it's not happening. It's not happening. So, And that's part of why I get frustrated when I see people say, oh, well, yeah, LeBron's good, but he'll never be Kobe. No, he won't to Lakers fans. There's nothing he can do. He never will. He never, And that's okay. That's an insanely high bar to set. Two decades with the Lakers, the accomplishments that Kobe had, the connection that he had with fans. Nobody will ever be Kobe. LeBron's not taking that spot. Could he get into the top three? I, I can see people making arguments. He's never getting number one. Not happening. And again, that's not anti-LeBron. That's 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 how illustrious the Lakers past is. I could be surfing, said out of these players, Vando Wood, Hayes, Max, who is the most potential to make or break our team? Well, I said on yesterday's show that um Christian Wood was my irrational excitement guy for this year. So I'm going to go with him as far as the guy that I think could make or break the team. Like if, if Christian Wood fits, Oh, right. His ceiling. If Christian Wood defensively can be average and maybe, and that's asking a lot, I guess, based on what we've seen from him in his career. But if he can be average and you can play 
Anthony Davis with a 7-6 wingspan and Christian Wood with a 7-3 wingspan and Wood's ability to shoot 38-plus percent from three out there together? That's pretty interesting. That's pretty interesting. Uh, after that, I would say Vando. After that, I'd, I'd put Max. Then after that, Jackson Hayes. I think Wood's arrival makes it more questionable how much Jackson Hayes even gets on the floor. I think Max Christie has a very clear path to minutes as a backup. Vando, look, the Lakers just invested long-term in him. They clearly see him as part of their future, as well they should. And I think he could wind up being a very, very big key to them on the defensive side of the floor. If I had to pick which player is most likely to make the biggest impact of this group, I would pick Vando. But I think with Christian Wood, the ceiling is the highest. Uh, all right, Davion said, I agree with Sean. I'm not worried about the Suns. Their best defender is Eric Gordon. I'm a little worried about the Suns. I'm not not saying the Lakers can't handle that team, but they've got a lot of upside potential, particularly on that offensive end. If they can be, if Frank Vogel, and look, he's got a tall task ahead of him, but if he can get even a slightly below average defense out of that team, they could be really tough. They could be really tough. He said, also, I want to see a big lineup of Braun Reeves, Wood, A.D. Rui. I honestly, that that would not surprise me at all if we wound up seeing that that lineup at some point. I don't think it's going to be a go-to line. I'm talking about we'll see it. I'm not talking about you'll see major minutes for it. The problem with it is that you're asking Rui to be the two, effectively. Reeves is the one. And look, I know people will say, well, wait, you know, LeBron played point guard. LeBron was the point guard in 2020. That's offense. I'm talking about defense. That's what, to me, that's what determines a player's position. It's who are you defending? It's not what your role is on offense. The NBA is becoming more and more positionless. You've got centers that can pass and shoot threes. You've got guards who can do all kinds of different things, right? It's becoming more positionless on the offensive end. Defensively, who are you defending? Even when LeBron was the point guard on offense in 2020, he's not defending point guards, right? So who are you defending? That's what I'm concerned about. With that lineup, you're asking Rui to defend twos because LeBron's not going to do it. Wood's not going to do it. AD's not going to do it. So Rui's defending twos. I think Rui has set himself up. His physical presence, right? He's lost weight. I think he's ready to play the three more this year. That's what, to me, it looks like. And we'll see what he says on media day. But Rui looks prepared to play the three. The two, though, is a big, big leap. I thought Rui last year was a, a four, three, more of a four than a three. This season, I think that might flip-flop. He'll be more of a three than a four. But to ask him to jump up to the two, uh, it's too big of a leap. So it wouldn't shock me if we do see that lineup at some point. I think we will see it at some point. But I wouldn't count on major minutes for that. I don't think that's going to become a go-to rotation or anything like that. Buying tickets to your favorite event shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you will have. Personally, I'm the shopper, right? I look around a lot of different places trying to make sure I'm getting the best deal, particularly when it's a bigger purchase, which, well, tickets to a sporting event, they usually are. So I shop around to a lot of different places. So game time takes away my stress when I'm shopping for tickets because they offer a lowest price guarantee. 
which is absolutely phenomenal. So it's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You get images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect. No surprises. You buy tickets in a matter of seconds. And because of that game time guarantee, you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time credits you 110% of the difference. Think about that. That's how convinced game time is that they will offer you the lowest price. They offer that guarantee. That way you can buy with confidence and avoid that stress. The tickets get sent directly to your phone. So you don't have to dig through your email or anything like that. You get them right to your phone. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time, download the game time app, create an account and use the code Lakers nation for $20 off your first purchase terms apply again, create an account, and redeem code Lakers Nation for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. All right, Mob Mentality said, Hey, Trev, welcome back. How was the vacation? The vacation was, was fantastic. I got to ride a bunch of water slides with my daughter, which was an absolute blast. She loved, she loved that. She had so much fun uh, doing that on the ship and going and exploring all these different places and all of that. It was, it was a good time. Uh, is there a scenario where the Lakers help facilitate the Dame trade and somehow land Nurkic? What would that trade look like? Wings, rookies, etc. So that's the problem. That's the problem. When I look at this, it's who do you trade? Because right now, there's still some trades out there. James Harden is sitting in Philly. I think he's probably going to be stuck there. We'll see. Damian Lillard, right? Wants to get to Miami. Miami wants Lillard. The Blazers don't want the stuff Miami has. So they got to find a third team, maybe a fourth team. Could the Lakers get involved? I guess, but who are you trading? And remember, anybody who signed a contract this year, they can't be traded until December 15th. Vando, I believe, will fall under the same rule as LeBron, where he can't be traded until next summer because of the increase that he got. He won't be able to, he won't be trade eligible in time the trade deadline will have passed before he's trade eligible so delo uh austin right vando Rui, all these all these guys you can't trade them right now you could trade them come december 15th except for vando so who are you trading who's on the books that you're trading away to send out salary LeBron, no, not doing that. So what? That's that's the problem for the Lakers. Now, could there be some sort of a pick swap situation where they don't send out salary? Sure, maybe they could send out a couple of second round picks or something. I, I don't know. They can get involved that way, but I don't see who the Lakers trade right now. They've got the new faces you can't trade yet: Jackson Hayes, Toreen Prince, you know, Gabe Vincent. All those guys you can't trade yet. So I don't see who they trade. Or who they trade for. As far as landing Nurkic, that's a lot of salary coming in. I believe he's, what, $16 million or so off the top of my head? Not easy. Not easy to trade for. I don't see a path uh, logistically for the Lakers to get something like that done. Mission 86. At least 25% of success in any sport is good fortune. We don't need everyone to max out. Just do what they do uh, with attention to detail and passion. Just my opinion. That's a great point. That's a great point. Yes. Look, 
there is luck is a part of anything in, in sports, right? There is a, a piece of that, right? Um, we don't need everyone to max out. Just when you say just do what they do with attention to detail and passion, I sum it up the way that the 2019, 2020 team sum things up, be a star in your role, know what your role is and do that thing very well. Do that very well in a way that benefits the team. Everything's going to be okay. I like that. I like that. Uh, we should use the last roster spot on Bismack, Biombo, or Boban. I think Boban already signed a deal. I believe it was while he was on my vacation, but um, I was still checking my phone every now and then. Uh, Bismack, Biombo. Why would he? Right? Why would he? Because that's the thing. We tend to get caught up in this idea that every player that's out there is a free agent. If the Lakers offer them a contract, they would sign it immediately and they will take the lowest amount of money possible from the Lakers. Because we look at things from the team perspective, right? And we want to think it's like you're just going shopping and just, oh, I'll take one Bismack Biombo, I'll take one Christian Wood, I'll take... That's not the way it works. The players get to decide whether or not they want to sign the contract. The team can offer it. Player doesn't have to sign it. If you're Bismack Biombo, why would you sign with the Lakers when they just got Christian Wood? Where, where are your minutes coming from? Now, if there was no Christian Wood and the Lakers said, hey, all you got to do is beat out Jackson Hayes and you are our backup center and we're going to play you next to AD for a number of minutes. Okay, maybe that's maybe that's enough. Maybe that gets, maybe Bismack says, you know what? Veteran minimum, let's go. But that's not what the Lakers did. They signed Christian Wood. So if you're Bismack Biombo, your path to minutes is you got to beat out Anthony Davis. Well, you got to at least make it clear that you can play next to him anyway. You're not going to beat him out for minutes, but you got to be able to play next to him. You got to beat Jackson Hayes and you got to beat Christian Wood. That's a lot of hurdles to clear. And best case, what are you looking at? 10 minutes a night and it wouldn't be every night. I, I don't think that Bismack would want to do that, nor do I think the Lakers are going to give up their 15th roster spot. I think they're going to keep that open. But from Bismack Biombo's perspective, the Lakers don't make sense as a landing spot anymore. Uh, Campbell said, I don't believe in the GOAT debate. There's too many variables. But an old-timer told me that MJ is the GOAT, but LeBron has by far had the best career. It's an interesting way to look at it. Interesting way to look at it. I do think it's, it's problematic when we're trying to compare players across eras, particularly because of this, right? We say, for example, we'll, we'll look at somebody and we'll say, well, Kobe's not as good as this player from today because he's not as efficient. He, doesn't, he didn't shoot threes at as, as high of a rate. Well, the game was different back then. The whole game was different, right? People will also try to say this. Well, if you went back and you put player X into today's game, if you went back and you put Magic Johnson into today's game, would he be as good? He didn't shoot the three as well. So would he be as good? Would he still be effective? That's not the way you should approach the question, though. If you just magically transport a player through time, you go get a DeLorean, you're bringing him in with that skill set from the 70s and 80s into today's game where the game is played very, very differently. Hell, you know what? Go back and look at a game. Look at a game from 2000. And it almost looks like a different sport with how much the game is changed. Look at the floor spacing. Go look at that. Watch Horace Grant standing out there 15 feet and in next to Shaq. That looks different. 
right? So the game has changed a lot. The way we need to look at it is if you took Magic as a kid and you had him grow up in today's era, what is he? What does his three-point shooting look like? And then compare him to LeBron. Compare him to Steph Curry if you want to get into that greatest point guard debate and all that kind of stuff. Then what does that look like? Or do the opposite. Have Steph Curry grow up during Magic's era and then they're playing against you. What does that look like? That's the only way that you put it on an even playing field. When you were comparing these different eras, the game is so different. It makes comparing these players extremely problematic. It's not easy. Avi B. Coming in. The Lakers Nation Listener League, by the way. Somebody in the Listener League picked up Jerome Ford right before the game. I'm going to ask him for uh, lottery picks next. Because that is uh, that is Nick Chubb's backup. That is now getting a starting role. Uh, Listener League's off to a good start, though. I'm uh, I'm off to a 2-0 start. Not that I think that my team's going to be dominant, but off to a 2-0 start. I'm going to take down Denver Ron Gutterman this week. So I'm happy about that. But uh, Avi B from the Listener League has uh, Puka Nakua, who has changed his team name to Puka Doncic, which uh, I think is absolutely fantastic. What's your take on Stephen A saying AD just took the money and shouldn't whine about playing center, should do whatever's asked? I see both sides. Um, I Look, Stephen A is, is paid to generate interest, right? He's, that's what he's got to do. So he's got to say things that are bombastic, that are over the top. And that's today's sports world, right? We get into hot takes and all that. And he's certainly part of all that. And he does a tremendous job. Don't get me wrong. He's amazing at, at what he does. It's made him very, very wealthy. But as far as saying AD took the money and shouldn't whine about playing center, he's been talking about not playing center for years. For years, he's been talking about how he doesn't want to play center. He had an opportunity to have a little bit of leverage over the Lakers this summer when they wanted him to sign a contract extension. So he kind of gave him a little nudge and said, hey, look, I know you guys want me to sign that extension, but just a reminder, I'd, I'd, you know, I'd prefer not to play center if we can avoid that a little bit. Just give me somebody else in there that can do some things for me and, uh, and so I can take some of that bruising you know, off my shoulders. And AD saying that, I don't think he's being selfish in any way. I don't think that's Anthony Davis saying, oh, he's, you know, he's taking the money and he's whining. The money says you shouldn't whine about this. No, the Lakers' goal is to win a championship. Anthony Davis's goal is to win a championship. Anthony Davis believes the best way to win a championship is for him to not have to endure playing center throughout the entire season. 99% of his minutes last season came at the center position. Feels like he's going to be the healthiest and the freshest he can be for the postseason if he doesn't have to play all the minutes at center. That's what he believes is the path to get there. The path to winning a championship for him being healthy come playoff time. Why would he not? So if that's what he feels, why would he not share that with the team? They actively ask for his opinion on stuff. Why would he not tell them? Of course he's going to tell them that. That would be another thing if Anthony Davis was saying, uh, yeah, I'm only going to play 15 minutes a night and, and he gets unreasonable with things, right? And he says, I'm going to take every other game off, which we'll talk about in just a bit. Now that I've gotten my money, 
I'm not going to try as hard. Now that I got paid here, I'm not going to try as hard. I'm not going to push myself. All those things. That's a totally different situation. Anthony Davis is saying, hey, I want to make sure that I'm at my best come playoff time. I believe this is the way to do it. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And again, he's been consistent. That's not like he signed his contract and went, hey, I don't want to play center. I don't want to play. You guys better not play me at center. No, he's consistently let them know over the years. Hey, guys, I'll do. In fact, he specifically said, I'll do whatever the team needs. But my preference, what I believe is the best path forward is for me not to play all the minutes at center. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. In my mind. Uh, Paul said, hey, Trevor, do you know if LeBron had foot surgery during the offseason? I don't. It's the mystery. And LeBron told us this. He told us over the summer that he would not, he would not, if he had foot surgery, nobody would know about it. It's a crazy thing about the summer, right? Teams don't have to report this stuff. So maybe we'll find out on media day. I'm sure it's going to get asked. I'm sure it will get asked. Oh, look at this. Raptors Nation in here. What's up, Raptors Nation? By the way, you guys should check that out. Go check out the Raptors Nation on YouTube, one of our sister sites. Go check that out. All right. I do have a couple things that I want to get into here. Um, the resting rules. Let's talk a little bit about that. So the NBA created these rules, um, where, which is trying to prevent players from sitting out and back-to-back star players, by the way. And they are players who are considered stars. They made all NBA or all-star teams over the last three years. And the NBA doesn't want players to sit out of, especially nationally televised games, which they had some rules in place to, to do that already. But they also don't want to sit out of in-season tournament games, which I don't like that. Why are we putting in-season tournament games on the same footing as nationally televised games? These new resting rules are treating them as the same thing. They're not. That's been our our pacifier for people who hate the in-season tournament the whole time, the whole summer. We've been saying if you hate the in-season tournament, doesn't matter. They're regular season games anyway. Just treat it like a regular season game and you're good. Now you have the NBA specifically treating it differently than a regular season with more importance. Look, I expect them to play it up and put out promotions and all kinds of stuff for, for tournament games. But for the people who are really anti-tournament, you said, well, it doesn't matter. In your record, it's still the same. It's still a regular season game. Well, now the NBA is not treating it as such. The NBA is treating it with the same importance as a nationally televised game. I think that's a, pushing it a little bit much. And I hope the tournament works. I hope it's successful for the NBA. But nonetheless... These new rules are in place to try to get players to be on the floor more often, to try to not have healthy players shut down, right? That's that's what they're doing, trying to get players to not be shut down during the season, to not miss high-profile games, to not miss nationally televised games, so that guys are in action more often than not. And I understand it. I think for the Lakers... The challenge is now LeBron qualifies for an exemption because he's played so many minutes and he's over 35. So he can, as long as they give a week's notice, the Lakers can say, Hey, LeBron's not going to play second out of the back to back a week from now. And the Lakers can get an exemption from the rule. 
with Anthony Davis, that's not going to apply. So if Anthony Davis is sore the first night of a back-to-back and the Lakers don't want to play him the second night, they're going to have to come up with an injury, something like that. I think this is going to lead to teams being overly vociferous about the injury status of their players. Oh man, this guy's foot, it's really not good. And ultimately, it depends on the team's doctor as to determine whether or not the player is physically able to play. So I do think there's now going to be incentive for teams to put a little bit more stress behind how serious an injury is to play it up a little bit more so they have the opportunity, if need be, to rest players. And we've already seen the Lakers do this with LeBron, with AD, listing them as questionable on like every injury report last season. Um, LeBron with the foot all season long. I think we're going to see more and more of that this season. For the Lakers, I hope it doesn't put them in a situation where Anthony Davis, especially let's say you had to play in an overtime game the night before. Let's say you go to overtime and Anthony Davis plays 46 minutes. And then the next night you got to hop on a plane and you got to fly somewhere and you got to play again. Will the league rules really stop the Lakers from saying, well, AD has a sore ankle and so he can't play tonight. They're not going to list him as out. Teams aren't going to try listing them as out anymore for rest purposes, but how strict is the NBA going to be about this? Because ultimately, the most important thing is still winning a championship. Now, I understand the NBA, they've got their rules here. They've got their new TV deal that they've got to create. They've got gambling is becoming a bigger and bigger source of revenue for them. So they want the players to play when they're healthy and able to play, and I get that. But if we're also going to still measure a team's success by did you win a championship or not, and we'll still, we're still going to measure a player's ultimate success by did you win championships or not? When those two things are kind of at odds, right? If you feel like the best path to winning a championship is occasionally sitting out the second night of a back-to-back and the league is telling you, no, you can't do that, while also telling you that the most important thing is winning a championship, that's a tough situation. That's a tough situation. So I'm curious when the NBA is tested on this, how strict are they really going to be? How strict are they going to be if Anthony Davis says my ankle hurts and the league says we want to investigate? We'll see. We'll see. But it's going to be something to keep an eye on. It's going to be something to keep an eye on because of the age of LeBron and AD. It could matter for the Lakers this season. It could force them to play in games where they might not otherwise. And that goes into the depth of this team. One of my favorite things, we're going to get into it in just a minute. But one of my favorite things about the depth of this team is that the Lakers, I think, are set up to withstand Anthony Davis taking a night off, LeBron taking a night off. The NBA is now pushing to eliminate those opportunities, preventing players from doing that. Does that take away from some of that advantage? Does that put specifically Anthony Davis into riskier situations where maybe he shouldn't be playing? We'll see. We'll see. Certainly something we're going to watch throughout the season. Throughout the season, we're going to have to keep an eye on that. All right, I do want to get into my five favorite things about this Lakers team. Oh, Avi B said, I thought the NBA doctors would examine players too. They can. If, if, if the NBA says, mm, we're going to question that, right? Like, oh, he's got a, the team doctor says he has a sore ankle. We're going to check up on that and make sure. But they don't have to. The NBA could also say, oh, he's got a sore ankle? Okay, he's got a sore ankle. 
and that's it. The NBA would have to challenge it and see what's going on there and have team doctors investigate. But what do you, what do you do though? If you say, Hey, I'm, my calf hurts. Like, okay. You can get an MRI, but you could say, Hey, my calf is really sore. You know, it'd be one thing if you said, I've got a broken bone in my foot. Okay. Well here do an x-ray and we'll see whether or not that's, that's accurate. But if you say my calf is sore and I'm not running right because of it, and I'm worried about that causing an injury. What does the NBA do then? Going to be interesting to see. Going to be interesting to see. And yeah, why is AD included? He wasn't voted in all time. He's still on the list. He's still on the list. All right. Let's get into my five favorite things about this Lakers team this year. I'm excited. I really am excited. Even though I prefaced this whole show, by saying there's unpredictability to this and um, you can't count your chickens before they're hatched, basically, because you never know how a team's actually going to play once they get out on the floor. There's a lot of reason to look at on paper the moves the Lakers made, the team they put together. It's very exciting. There's a lot to be excited about. The first thing I'm going to be, I'm going to say that I'm excited about, it's depth and wings. Depth and wings. Right, Because the Lakers, for once, they've got a team that has real, actual depth. They've got especially depth at the wing position. I feel like I've been saying it for years that the Lakers needed wing depth. Now, is this team deeper than the 2019-2020 team? It's debatable. debatable. How would those two teams stack up? Maybe that's another show we can do at some point. We'll talk about that. But some more proven players, I think, on the 2019-2020 team, but this team has real depth, and they've got a lot of wing depth, and I think that's important in today's NBA. You've got a lot of guys that are 6'7", to 6'8", 6'9", right in that range, that are multi-positional players, going to give Darvin Ham all kinds of lineup flexibility. It is my number one favorite thing about this team. They finally have the wings that I've been asking for for years. You got Torian Prince, you got Cam Reddish, you got Vando, you've got Rui, you got that LeBron guy. Max Christie, I think, is going to be a factor too. More of a two than anything else, but still may see him play some minutes at the three. I like this team, the depth that they've got. Depth doesn't matter as much come playoff time, but I think the Lakers have the depth that they need to withstand the rigors of what's going to be a very difficult regular season and a very difficult Western Conference to make their way through. So number one on my list, my favorite things about the Lakers, it's their depth. Number two, youth and experience. You look at this Lakers team. You look at this team. They are young. Don't let people fool you when they call the Lakers old. They're not. This is a young team, but they're an experienced team at the same time. A young but experienced team. That's what this Lakers team is. And that is what I love this team. I'll show you guys. These are the ages. LeBron is 38. Anthony Davis is 30. That's where people are going to get the idea that the Lakers are an old team. Look at the rest of the roster. Max Christie's 20. Rui's 25. Jackson Hayes, 23. JHS is 20. Max Lewis is 21. Torian Prince is 29. Austin Reeves is 25. Cam Reddish is 24. D'Lo is 27. Vando is 24. Gabe Vincent's 27. Christian Wood is 27. 
This is a team that's young, but you also don't look at this team and say, oh, it's like it's the Houston Rockets. They've got a bunch of guys that are 19, 20 years old. They don't know how to win yet. No, this team is young, but they've got guys that are at or near their physical peak. They've got enough years under their belt in the NBA to where now they understand the game. They know what it takes to win, and they got a taste of things in the playoffs just this last season. So I look at this team, and you've got a lot of young legs on this team, but they're not young and inexperienced. They are young and experienced. They've got years in the NBA. That's what I really like about this team. It's not an old team. It's not an old team at all. There's two guys that are 30 or over. Now, those are your two stars, but still everybody else is in their 20s, and they've got plenty of experience among those players. And you still have a pretty good mix of young players, like true young players with some upside. Max Christie, JHS, Max Lewis. Those guys, what can they provide for you in the future? Those are guys you're developing for continuity moving forward, sustainability. The depth they've got on this team, a lot of it is young depth. And I think that is going to matter during the regular season. can matter during the postseason as well. All right. Third, my most favorite thing, the roster makes sense. Oh, and somebody said, um, nobody thinks JHS and Lewis is going to make the rotation. No. And that's exactly what I said in their season preview that I did for while I was on my vacation. I'm not expecting, I'm expecting this to be like a redshirt season for JHS and Max Lewis. I don't expect either one of those guys to play many minutes. That's one of the things I like about this roster too, is it's deep enough to where those guys don't have to play much or shouldn't, unless things go very, very wrong. They shouldn't have to play much. Um, the roster makes sense. Last year's team, when we were looking at it, it was like, it was like when you pull a puzzle out of the cabinet and you open up the box and you find out that one of your siblings had mixed in a bunch of pieces from different puzzles. And you sit down and you're like, what do I do with this? You got a bunch of pieces that don't fit. They're different sizes, different color schemes all, all over the place. That was last season's roster. This season's roster, you pull the box out, still in its wrapping probably. All the pieces are there. And not only that, but there's lots of different ways that you can use them. Lots of different ways you can go with them. And I know that's not how puzzles typically work, but the pieces are all there for this team. It makes sense. You've got your guard depth. You've got your shooting, especially now with Christian Wood on the roster. Is it enough? Maybe. We'll see. You've got wing depth. You've got a real big rotation. You could say they still need a little more physicality on the front uh, front line. I'm seeing some people in the chat saying they need more bigs, but you've got a real legitimate rotation everywhere that you need it. You've got a lot of different skill sets. I think you could use some more defense at the guard position, more size at the center position. I'm not saying this is perfect. I'm not saying you've checked every single box. But you know what? I look at every championship team ever, and I say they haven't checked. They don't. They didn't check every box. Did they check enough boxes? That's what it comes down to. You're never going to have a perfect team. You're never going to have a perfect lineup. There's always going to be weaknesses. 
question is, did you check enough boxes? And I look at this Lakers team, I think there's a chance that they did check enough boxes. They've got a lot of flexibility, a lot of versatility, particularly on the defensive end of the floor. Again, I think they could use more defenders at the guard position, but the three-point shooting, maybe that'll still be a question mark. But you look at this roster, you see a lot of interchangeability, you see a lot of size. That's something that Rob Palink talked about, positional size, guys who, for their position, are good size. They've got a lot, a lot to be excited about on this team. And the roster, it just makes sense. It looks to me, looks to me on paper, yeah, like there's a clear plan here for this group. There was a clear type of player they were targeting and they acquired. Um, Jesse Duggam said the 2001 Lakers were perfect. Were they though? Like they went on a great playoff run. There's no question. But they were, were they a perfect team heading into the postseason? During the regular season, were they perfect? I think they went on a historic playoff run. They were the two seed heading in. They were good. There's no question. Were they perfect? No. They put things together at the right time, though. Again, I don't think there's any team that was perfect. There's always going to be question marks. There's always going to be flaws that you can pick at. But this team, I think, has checked a lot of boxes. A lot of boxes. Uh, number four out of five, their continuity. I love that this team has continuity. Look, we've been talking for years now about how, on one hand, it's great for me because I've been super busy over the summers talking about the Lakers have signed these 12 guys. Look at all these new faces. How are they all going to fit together? What's this going to look like? Come July, I'm just locked in my studio recording Lakers signed player X. Up, oh, more news comes out. Lakers signed this player now. Lakers signed player Y. On and on. Kept us busy. It was entertaining. But they get out on the floor and you've got growing pains, as you would expect. The 2019 2020 team, which got thrown together, tons of new faces, and then hit the ground running and instantly everything fit and connected perfectly. They had. I shouldn't say perfectly when I said there's no perfect teams, but they had instant synergy. That's the outlier. That's very rare. Typically, you put a bunch of players together who don't have a lot of experience playing next to each other. You get speed bumps. You get issues. You go up against a team that has continuity on opening night. There's going to be some struggles as you're still trying to figure things out and they're leaning on their experience from the last season, from the previous two seasons, three seasons, whatever. This Lakers team, though, has continuity for the first time in years. Now, I get it. That first Russell Westbrook year, there's no way in hell you're bringing back that team. So, of course, you're not going to have continuity that next season. But they finally found something this season and or this past season, and they're rolling it into this season. They're going to have continuity. You've got Rui, D'Lo, Vando, Austin, LeBron, AD, these key pieces. These guys are used to playing together. They did it last season. They went through the playoffs together last season. They're going to be able to lean upon that experience in the early going. And the thing about the Western Conference this year, I've been talking about this a lot, it's going to be extremely difficult to win games in the West. It's going to be extremely The West is insanely deep this year. What that means is that you can't look at games in October and say, oh, well, it's October. 
the NBA season doesn't start till after Christmas anyway. No. You look at the Lakers stretch from mid-March on. Whew. It is difficult. They open the season in a tough stretch too. That means that you better have yourself in a good position heading into March. The games right now at the beginning of the season are going to matter just as much as any other. And that's always been true to a degree, right? The games in October count just as much as the games in March and in April. But there was always this prevalent thought that, well, even if you stumble early, you can make up ground later on in the season. It's okay. You can find your way, all that. Not in this year's West. Not in this year. At least one good team, not two, minimum, are not going to make the play-in in the West. That's how deep the Western Conference is this year. Not going to be much of a margin for error. So I think the Lakers' continuity is going to be, not only is it one of my favorite things about the team, I think it's going to be absolutely critical this year. Last thing, it's upside. It's upside. This Lakers team, they have upside. I know we look at this, and I see fans of other teams that say, well, the Lakers, you know, is Rui really all that good? I've seen this, this comment out there quite a bit recently. Fans of other teams saying, how many of the guys on the Lakers roster would start for other teams? Some even saying that Austin Reeves wouldn't, which is absurd, of course. But how many of these Lakers players would not would even start for other teams? Saying that there's a lot of downside here to this team. I'm always going to look at things through purple and gold lenses, right? That's just it's how I'm wired. But I see a lot of upside with this team. I see a lot of upside in the way that this team can click. I think about a team that in the first round of the Western Conference playoffs had a different leading score through, I think, five different leading scorers through six games, I think it was. Like, that type of you-never-know-whose-night-it-is versatility on the offensive end exists on this team. That can be scary to deal with. If Austin continues to take a step forward, if Rui, people look at Rui and just assume, oh, he's what he was last season. He's been working with Phil Handy again all summer. He's been working with Phil Handy. Are we sure that Rui's not going to come back better? Not saying he's going to shoot as well as he did in the postseason, but Rui's got room to grow. And I'm concerned a little bit about the shooting percentages and the sustainability there, but he's got room to continue to improve. Vando can continue to improve. These guys, if they all get a little bit better from last season, which is not out of the question, probably not realistic that they're, that they're all going to, but there's a chance that this team can be very, very special. That upside is there. That exists. Was not the case last year. Was not the case last year. So this year's team has a chance, I think, to be very good. They've got that kind of upside. What's the floor for this year's team? Probably what? Squeak into the playoffs? That's the floor. Part of that is the Western Conference. That's the floor for this year's team. But the upside, if things really click the way I think that they, they can, it's very high. It's very, very high. That this could wind up being, I don't want to say a juggernaut because I don't think there's going to be a true juggernaut in the West this year, but this could wind up being the team to come out of the West. That's a very realistic possibility. Don't think that was a possibility last year. This team has that kind of upside. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Those are my five favorite things about this year's Lakers. Did I miss anything? Was there anything that I should have put? That's what I think of. Those are the five things that I think of most when I think about what I'm really excited about for this year's Lakers. Did I miss anything that should have gone in there? Let me know. Let me know what you think. And I'm just giving one last look at the chat here. People talking about Dwight Howard maybe going to the Warriors. That's possible. The Warriors, though, if they start Chris Paul, they're going to be benching Kevon Looney, I think, anyway. That'll be interesting. How does that work? Favorite thing? The contracts. Palinka did a masterclass of a job. Yeah, look, my buddy Keith Smith and front office show co-host put the, um, the Rui contract as one of his worst deals of, uh, of the offseason. Not and again, he didn't worse is is going a little bit overboard, but one of the more questionable deals because he said he didn't think the Lakers were bidding against anybody. So he thought he may, they maybe could have got him for like a, a few million less. But it's not a bad contract by any means. But overall, I look at what the Lakers did. Obviously, they lucked out with Austin Reeves in that situation. I look at what the Lakers did this summer. I think they did a fantastic job. I think getting Christian Wood on a veteran minimum is an incredible value. Um, it may not work out. We'll see, but that's an amazing value. Nonetheless, I look at the contracts they got Vando. It's a good deal. I like what they did with D'Angelo Russell. It's, it's one of the things that's interesting is the Lakers committed four years to Vando, four years to Rui, four years to Austin, two years to D'Lo. Like they're clearly saying, Rui, you're our guy for the future. Vando, you're our guy for the future. Austin, you're our guy for the future. Max Lewis, here's four years, right? And D'Lo got two. Curious how that negotiation played out. Did D'Lo want a shorter contract? Which would make sense. He's 27, want a shorter contract. You know, your contract ends when you're 29. You get your next big deal there. If you did a four-year deal, it ends when you're 31, and then you're trying to get another contract at 31. Look, there's some method to the madness there but was part of that the lakers not being certain about delo being their guy for the future 
I'd be really curious to find out how exactly that negotiation went down. But nonetheless, I like all the contracts the, the Lakers signed. I really do like them. And even if, even if the Lakers overpaid Rui a little bit, I think he has the potential to live up to that and then some. I really do think he's got the potential to live up to and then some, particularly if he can continue to score, if he can continue to shoot that three at a consistent clip, if he can be 35% and up and then give you the rebounding at six, eight, seven, two wingspan, all that kind of stuff, give you the rebounding that you want, a little bit of rim protection. Yeah, I'd be pretty happy with that. D'Lo's got to come with it. Yep, he's got a lot. He's got a lot on the line this season. He's got a lot on the line this season. Uh, somebody in the chat said he the Lakers offered for, he wanted to. If that's the case, again, it, there is some reason why D'Lo may have wanted a shorter-term deal. That's possible. Uh, Realm said the Lakers might make a deal to make, get someone else midseason. They could. I think the deals they've got are very movable, and they're also very stackable. You can stack up a lot of these contracts and go get something done. Now, they don't have a lot of future draft capital that's tradable. They do have a decent amount of draft capital. They've got a decent amount of picks. Uh, their only two first-round picks that are gone are either the 2024 or 2025. One of those two is gone. And then the 2027 first is, I believe, it's top four protected. So those, that's it, though. They've got the rest of their pick. They'll be able to make those picks. So I do think the potential is there for them to make a midseason deal. But option option A is this team as is just works. It just works as is. And then if they need to, they'll find something midseason. But I don't think that it's not like last year. Last year, we went into the season saying, well, at some point, they're going to trade Russell Westbrook and then we'll see what happens. And so the whole season, it was, is, is Russ traded yet? Are they going to trade him yet? What's happening? Are they going to trade him? That's not the way this team is. Last season, it was, you better trade Russ if you're going to make any kind of a push in the Western Conference. This season, it's, hey, maybe they wind up having to make a move midseason, but there's a pretty decent chance this team just works. Uh, Ubre signed with the 76ers. There's people in chat mentioning him. He signed with the 76ers. So he is off the market. Do I think the Lakers got D'Lo for two years with the intention of trading him in February? I don't think it's smart to sign a player with the intention of trading him in general. But I also think there's a reason why the Lakers negotiated out D'Angelo Russell's no-trade clause. I think there's a purpose to that. Doesn't mean they're going to trade him, but now they have the flexibility to, to do so, whereas otherwise they wouldn't have had that flexibility midseason. So... I think we're going to be hearing a lot of D-low trade rumors as we get closer and closer to the February trade deadline. Again, I don't think that means that's option number one for them or that's the plan for them, but it's something that may be available to them midseason. Again, my ideal situation and the Lakers' ideal situation would be D-low pl plays great. He's a great fit with Austin. He's a great fit with LeBron, with AD, just like he was during the regular season this last year and for a decent chunk of the playoffs too. And off you go. Ride with it. I'd love to see D'Lo have a big season this year for the Lakers. And they them not even consider trading him at the trade deadline. But the possibility exists that they could trade him. 
That possibility is out there. So we'll see. Uh, why would D'Lo give that up? The no, the no trade? More money? Um, getting the deal that he wanted. He got... Uh, so the money, and then he got a player option on the second year of the deal. So that's those... I'd imagine those were bargaining points in, in the negotiation. All right. Oh, let's finish with this. Let's close with this. A closing lineup. What's one of my closing lineups? So to close out games, they love it. It depends on your opponent. But I, I think you could probably close games the same way you start games. And what I think that's going to be is D'Lo, Reeves, Rui, LeBron, AD. I think that's a, a pretty good versatile closing lineup. Now, um, depending on your situation, you could, if you really need defense, if you're up 10 and you've got two minutes to play and you really want to focus on getting stops, do you put Bando into the game? Um, do you use Gabe Vincent and place D'Angelo Russell to close out games? Darwin's going to have a lot of different options to choose from, but I don't think there's like a set, this is the Lakers' death lineup that they're going to turn to to close out games. I think you've got a lot of different pieces that you can mix and match, and that's where we're going to find out a lot. I think about Darvin Ham as a coach, his ability to respond to who the opponent is and to pick the right pieces to close out games. All right, everybody. I appreciate everybody for joining live on this show over on the YouTube channel. Make sure you are subscribing there. Don't forget to like this video as well. And then podcast listeners. Make sure you follow us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you listen to podcasts. Um, we'll do this again. Wow, we went over an hour. Over an hour. That's what happens when I start talking Lakers basketball. I'm so excited for the season to start. The countdown is on. We are just weeks away now from the Lakers being in action in the NBA preseason. I can't wait. I'm so excited. Thank you guys for joining tonight. I do appreciate it. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe.